Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35 that's D-C-N-E-W-S-3-5 DCNews35 use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com Well, hey there, all you DC Comics news fans, comic book fans, DC Comics fans, fans of this and podcasts, and, well, a little bit of conversation, even if it feels like it's one-sided, because you're listening to me, but at the same time, I know you're out there hearing me, and you've got your own thoughts, agreement, disagreement, pick or choose, I can't wait to hear more. Oh yeah, I'm your host, Seth Singleton, and this is the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, Episode number 90, The Spinner Rack, the place where I go each week to share with you my top five picks from DC Comics. It's not a responsibility I take lightly, but it is one that I bear proudly. Happy to join you. We kick things off with my first two picks, take a quick ad break, and then we move on into my third, fourth, and fifth choices. If it's your first time with us, thanks for joining Thanks for hanging out. And if you get a chance, send me a message. Tell me how you heard about us and why you decided to listen in. And if you're feeling froggy, let me know what you liked or didn't like, what I can do better, what I could do worse, what you like all by itself. Now, every once in a while, you're going to hear some distractions, maybe a plane flying by, maybe a sound effect, maybe my dog's Bruno and Fiji, but trust me, like postal service, neither the rain, the sleet, the snow, nor any other deterrent will keep me from bringing you my top five picks. And with all that out of the way, well, why should we hesitate any longer? Let's dive into my first pick for this week. I've got all the books that I thought were worth sharing from January 26th, 2021. That's actually not true. Why start things off with a fallacy? I'm going to be honest with you. These aren't just the things that I felt belong. These were the ones that I could live with choosing, even though there were so many others that I think deserve to be on the list. But at some point, you just have to pick. So that's what I did. My first choice, my first pick, Batman, black and white, number two. Boy, this black and white series has really demonstrated just, just how wonderful Batman looks just in black and white. Just when you're using tones and tints and shadows, and just what happens when you get the best and the brightest among the rising stars. A lot of beautiful stuff in here. Um, For starters, gorgeous original cover by Jacques, variant cover by Doug Braithwaite, villain variant cover by uh, Komome Shirahama, and pinup inside by Stepan Sejic. 
Now you've got some beautiful stories here. The Unjust Judge, written by Tom King, illustrated by Mitch Gerard's letter by Clayton Cowles. And because this is a Tom King story leading things off, it's actually one of my justifications for why Strange Adventures isn't on right now for this week. I know there's a new Strange Adventures out for the week of January 26th. It simply didn't make the cut. And when I chose between two Tom King stories, this one won for this week. This one won. The Unjust Judge is followed by All Cats Are Gray, written and illustrated by Sophie Campbell. Take a look. Enjoy. Thank me afterwards. When it comes to The Unjust Judge, I think there's always something beautiful when writers delve into the kind of specter and mystery that exists within religion. Whatever the denomination, if it's something that we are familiar enough with to include in our collective understanding, even if it's just imagery we've seen on television, members of faith, especially when the faith they rely on needs to be supported by human actions, is powerful motive, a powerful narrative uh, tool, and also one that can point to other lessons. Well described here in this story, All Cats Are Gray follows with a bit of a lighter note and, and one that I highly encourage you to check out. More stories for you to enjoy within this book include The Spill, featuring well, a couple of things. One, Gabriel Hardman, if you're out there listening, I'm well aware of the fact that you wrote this as well as provide the illustration and that you co-wrote this with Karina Bechko. I happened to see a mention that didn't list that and include that. And I think it's an amazing quality when an artist can lend uh, writing talents to a project equally when a writer has the artistic skills to add to that project as well. When you can do more than one, well, boy. You're certainly doing twice more than I'm doing right now. And I want to give a little credit where credit is due. That one was lettered by Troy Pateri. Then it's followed by Duel, written and illustrated by Dustin Weaver, lettered by Todd Klein. And finally, making his DC Comics debut is David Aja with The Devil is in the Detail, written, illustrated, and lettered by Mr. Aja. And that's followed up by Gorgeous Pinup, by Ramon Villalobos. If you get a chance to check these all out, you're going to note wonderful details that I've already mentioned about the first two stories, continuing into the spill and duel, and wrapping up with a comic strip format from David Aja that is quite gorgeous and also does a wonderful job of evoking the time and the place in which it suggests that it is set. I I was moved by how authentic it felt, how much a part of me wanted to believe that this had come from a earliest version of the Batman from back in his vintage golden era. But that's not the way it works out. And there's something lovely about an artist who plays with time and perception that way, who can bring nostalgia to life and to light with very just practiced ease it it really fooled me every time i looked at it i had to peek at the edges and if you do you can look closely and see that it's david aja who was born in 1977 which means there's no way he could have written this comic strip in 1939 
but the way he draws it, the way he tells the story, everything about it evokes that era. And all I'm going to say is if he happened to have existed in some other state or form during that time, he never lost the memory, and it's a gift for the rest of us. Highly recommend that you check out Batman, black and white, number two. It is a lovely selection. It is my first choice here on episode number 90. Have no fear, though. We are just getting started. In fact, with the first one out of the way, that means it's time for my second choice. And for that one, I'm looking at The Last God, issue number 12, in book one of The Fellowship Chronicles. Creator and writer Philip Kennedy Johnston has done something absolutely beautiful. In just 12 short issues, Johnston has been able to recreate all of the hope and promise I had every time I, I opened a, a fantasy novel series or a fantasy book series and sought the excellence I had experienced in those wonderful books we all know and love. By the way, Liam Sharp, if you're out there listening, this little part is for you. I loved having a conversation with you and the DCN team when we were talking about that lovely fantasy aspect, something that if you haven't had a chance, check out that interview because recently Liam's been talking about taking on that independent project at some point and boy, are there some things to look forward to. So with that in mind, when you've experienced some of the best in fantasy storytelling, it's always a letdown when you discover something that isn't quite as good. Which is why when I first heard about The Last God, I was so hopeful and why after the first issue, my hope was rewarded. For so many issues, we had the chance to follow the story of two bands. One, seeking to destroy a great evil that occurred actually in the past, at least as far as a second team, seeking to right the wrongs of that first team to undo the horror that they swore and promised they had actually ended. And in doing so, we now have a final stand. The last living god, Mole Ultep, is overrunning the world. He's got those flowering dead, those ghastly bursting creatures that have begun to overrun all of those who are still living. There at the Black Stair, at the the place where all things were supposed to have ended, but really never actually did. There it is that we have uh, Seanth. We have so many of her fellowship, her party, and they're in shock now as the half-slave, the bastard king, or the bastard of King Tyr, excuse me, gentleman by the, no, by the name of Evendor has been overcome by Mol'Otep. And suddenly, a series of last-ditch efforts are put in place. Whether it's the decision to channel a, a final blow by Valko, using the power that he can command, whether it is the others using whatever resources they have available, or whether it's Ivender finding a way to fight back against the mass of the presence invading his body using his blood as a bridge into this world this Kainanun and how it is that so wonderfully we get a chance to see everything that Johnson's been building to 
and then through it, how we also get the chance to see where this whole story had been leading to in his mind from the very beginning. It's brought to life with gorgeous art by Ricardo Federici, uh, colors by Arif Prianto, Alan Pasalequa, and Sonny Go, with cartography by Jared Blando, letters by Tom Napolitano, and back matter designs by Steve Wands and Amadeo Chichero. Cover art by Kai Carpenter. It's been the art in this book that has matched the storytelling with such a plum. It has been wonderful to peel through these glossy pages. I mean, granted, I'll, I'll be honest, I get the digital copies first, but this was a book where I immediately wanted the first issue and I've been collecting on my own. I wish every issue was on every episode of The Spinner Rack, but like so many other titles, when there's so much great competition, it's always important to highlight those who don't get as much notice, especially when they do the great things so well. Well, this final issue of The Last God does so many things so well. The art team is painting canvases on every page. It, it feels thick and heavy. It feels like an art book, every issue. And yet it tells a wonderfully magnificent sword and sorcery tale that is about all of those wonderful elements that I grew up loving and that now have matured in this title to reveal all of the heartache and pain that goes with those worlds, that it's not perfect, that there are trials and struggles, that there are weaknesses, that those we wish to be heroes fail, and their weaknesses doom much and bring suffering upon others. But those who rise up in response, those who still fight, those who believe that the loss of one hero is not the end of the day, nor the final say in a, a fellowship. Well, this is that book. This has been 12 issues that I have embraced and enjoyed and celebrated. And issue number 12 is no slouch and a wonderful culmination of a really great series. Highly recommend if you haven't checked it out. The Last God, this was issue number 12. A delight, a joy, a treasure to behold. Highly recommend if you haven't yet. Consider. That's my second book. This is episode number 90. Time for a quick break while we check in with you about all the great things going on here at DC Comics News. And then we'll come back with my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Don't worry. I'll be here when you come back. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35 percent off site-wide by using the code dcnews35 that's dcnews35 dcnews35 Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. Hi everyone, I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, 
comics and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spitter Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. (laughs) Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. 
We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. Here's hoping. We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you cuff. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's, that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, but whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. Just as promised, you came back, and here I am. This is episode number 90 of the DC Comics New Spin Rack. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. We've already covered my first two choices. For this week, I'm talking about the week of January 26th, 2021. My third choice for this week's episode is one that I'm curious to hear your thoughts on. The Future State line has really opened my eyes to some fun storytelling potentials to new writers, new artists, and the Future State Aquaman number one is no exception in a story called The Confluence, part one. We are greeted by writer Brandon Thomas, Daniel Samper on the art, Adriana Lucas on colors, Clayton Cowles providing the letters with covers by Samper and Lucas, variant cover by Carrie Randolph and Emilio Lopez, and phenomenal work throughout in a story that shows us Jackson Hyde in the future, where he is the Aquaman, but that is not a title that is undisputed. In fact, it is Arthur Curry, Mira's heir, their child Andy, who appears to have more of the natural-born talents that are associated with Aquaman. Those that she displays during an argument with Jackson, one that reveals that they are still fighting his father, they are still suffering losses at the hands of Black Manta, and that Andy has been holding back because unlike her father, who could command and speak to sea life, she can actually take control of it, bend it to her will, and use it for her purposes. That's a dangerous skill, and it's one that actually conflicts with the previous communication techniques and method that her father employed. When it comes to Arthur Curry, it was more about a conversation. With Andy, it's definitely more of a command. And this is something that they're beginning to talk about 
openly when an event occurs known as a confluence. Now, the confluence was something that no one could have anticipated, but suddenly, swimming beneath the waters, both Andy and Jackson realize they are no longer in the ocean where they were. In fact, they're in a new ocean, and it's the first of seven new worlds that they travel among, simply because they weren't aware of the fact that the confluence was a series of connected waters, waters that allowed them to travel between many worlds, that all of them were connected by one great ocean. And it's during this process of discovery that Andy and Jackson face a foe that separates them, and Jackson has to consider the worst, which is that he's lost Andy, and he has not been able to hold up his promise, Arthur and Mira, to keep Andy safe. And it's where we find Jackson having a conversation with a body that has been holding him captive for whom it is recorded. He has attempted escapes close to 300 times, never once successful. And it's then that through the story of what he's been going through that he learns that those holding him would have done more if they knew the pain he was in. In fact, as an advanced society, they would not sit by and watch someone suffering from trauma without offering them an opportunity to somehow heal that trauma. It's actually quite a, a lovely sentiment when the leader that Jackson Hyde is speaking to says, we are not savages. What kind of broken species sees trauma and regret as virtue? We could have helped you if you only would have told us. To which Jackson reveals that he understands that, and ordinarily he appreciate or would appreciate their sentiments. This all has to do with the fact that Jackson is feeling something. He's discovered an awareness, one that lets him know that Andy isn't actually gone. In fact, it's something that lets him know that everything that he taught her was what she needed in order to survive, even without him to survive, to thrive, and now she is returning. And then also, Jackson, for the most part, has been sandbagging just a little bit. He's been holding back. He's been keeping in mind what he thinks his power is, how his power has been related to how he's been feeling, and how his captors have been basing their restraining methods on those comparisons, assumptions, uh, assessments. But that isn't actually how strong he is. And Jackson, upon announcing that Aqua, Aqua Woman, that the successor is coming. And that should be reason for concern. Well, it provides a launching point where I am looking forward to seeing just what else could be coming our way with Future State Aquaman number two. So far, so many of these books have thrilled and delighted me and I'm really grateful that I get the chance to experience new writers, new artists, new teams, and through them, new ideas about the stories we may or may not be seeing. Remember now, with the uh, Change the Multiverse, what we have is something completely different. And because of that, we will hopefully see stories that reflect all of those wonderful possibilities. That's my third choice, another great five out of five pick. What's in store for number four? Well, I promise I'm not going to leave you in suspense. My fourth choice for this week is going to be the Future State Legion of Superheroes, number one, 
Written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by Riley Rosmo, who is building a little place in my heart with every bit of work that I see from Riley Rosmo. Gorgeous Colors by Ivan Placencia, Dave Sharp with the letters, Riley Rosmo providing the original cover, and Ian McDonald offering up the variant cover. Things are not, things are not good. Things are not well. There, there certainly is trouble right here with the United Planets, and it's not getting any better. That's never really stopped the Legion before, thankfully. So we've got Joe, you might remember Joe, currently in the more recent, present day, so to speak, uh, Legion series. Joe assumed leadership of Rimbor and really didn't want it. Well, he's certainly in a place now where he wants things, and what he wants is for the Legion to get back together. Why aren't they together? Well, that's something that's slowly unraveling as we find our way moving along with the rest of the team, doing their best to (laughs) pull together the pieces. And it's not going well. It's actually not something that many of the former members actually want. They're fighting amongst themselves. No one really seems the way they were before. Brainiac 5 has gone all the way up to number 7 and doesn't seem as nearly in control as you might expect the legendary intellect to be. In addition, Triplicate Girl is now just two. Maybe Duplicate Damsel, Damsel Duo. Who knows what her final name will be, but in a a journey to collect all of the people that they can, starting at Planet Gotham, working their way along to Daxum and so many other places, it's also discovered that there are rifts, that those like Cosmic Boy are no longer part of the Legion and actually stand among the wreckage of the United Planets, judging, questioning, challenging, uh, reap Daggle, not in a good place. The... uh, Offspring of R.J. Brand, former president of the United Planets, answering a lot of questions that don't really seem to be satisfying those answering or those asking the questions. And what you're left with is a broken future, one that is still facing so many great challenges, and yet it lies in shatters and tatters, but is pulling itself together at least enough that by the end of this issue, it feels just a little bit like something might be coming to fruition. Maybe we'll know more in Future State Legion and Superheroes number two. In the meantime, it is a lovely place for us to leave off, which means it's time for my fifth and final choice. So I have to say, it is quite a treat for me to wrap things up with a a fun, a lighthearted, yet also clearly conscientious story. I'm talking about Superman versus Imperious Lex, part one. A really interesting story written by Mark Russell, with art by Steve Pugh, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr., letters by Carlos M. Mangual, cover art by Yannick Paquette, and a variant cover by Simone DeMeo. And we start out with a meeting of the United Planets, who have gathered to offer a discussion about memberships and concerns that they all might have. And one of them has to do with 
a figure known as Lex Luthor and his planet, Lexor. There's a lovely moment in the opening pages when a series of, well, let's call them familiar galactic faces, express their displeasure at even the name of Lex Luthor. Some hoped he'd just died. Others believe that whatever might have happened to him, it simply didn't matter. But those who are still aware that their spam folder is filling up with membership requests from Lex Luthor don't remember him well, and my favorite description is that he's an interplanetary villain and a cake thief, i.e. that Lex Luthor. One who has taken charge of a planet known as Lexor, one that early on, Lois Lane in this timeline, is saying this is a planet that should not be allowed in, that is home to only the worst possibilities, i.e. anything connected with Lex Luthor. But it was Lex who had developed a technology, probably stole, you'll find out more, called the Reticulates. And with them, he was able to send them out to plunder and pillage and destroy, gathering and gaining resources that could be sent back to Lexor and keep its economy afloat. Lex, a prosperous and well-regarded leader, until Superman stepped in and brought an end to the reticulants. Once that occurred, though, that didn't mean that all the problems were solved. And in fact, it's these actions that make Superman out to be something of a villain in the eyes of the residents of Lexor. As one guy or character says, when Superman is destroying the reticulant factory, hey, I used to work there. And that's got to be a feeling anyone would feel if the place that gave them a living was destroyed by some outsider. And yet, that doesn't mean that Superman simply comes in, smashes, and walks away. He's well aware of the fact that the planet now has almost no resources, no economy, and that very soon it will turn on Lex, but also on themselves. And in order to help this planet along, to either provide some insight to those who are gullible, or more importantly, to provide consequences for those who were willing accomplices, it's important that Lexor be admitted into the United Planets. Now, along the way, Beautiful descriptions of Lexor through the wonderful writing, through the gorgeous art, and the effects that uh, this planet and the reticulants have throughout the universe. Also, some really gorgeous possibilities with the way the United Planets appears, the way information is displayed and processed and shared, and even a lovely little romantic note between Lois and the visiting guest, Superman. I really like this issue. It reminds me of so many of the fun things that comics are still capable of, while also addressing more important, if not serious, things that exist in all of our lives. For me, this was a perfect way for me to wrap up January 26th, episode number 90, the DC Comics News Spinner Wreck. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. It's been my pleasure to hang out with you. I can't believe it's been 90. Can you believe in just 10 more? We'll be at 100 episodes. I don't even know how to quantify that other than by the number, but certainly not by all the wonderful experiences I've had hosting this podcast for you. Thank you for all that you do, all your support, for being here, for sharing all the funds that goes with it. Keep in mind, 
we can keep the party going. All you have to do is hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast player you're listening to, and that will guarantee we're always in your feed. When you do, you'll not only get the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, you get all the great content from the DC Comics News Podcast Network. I mean everything. DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, the uh, episode-by-episode breakdowns of Batman the Animated Series from I Am the Night by Steve J. Ray, the episode-by-episode breakdown for Harley Quinn, i.e. the Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast, where the gang gets together, gets a little dirty, and talks all about Harley. And then we've got other things along the way, the weekly podcast, movie, news, television, all the comics you want to hear about and more coming your way. Also, keep in mind we're branching out into video. If you haven't yet, check out DCN After Dark, hosted by Kelly Gaines. There are a few episodes in, you've got plenty of time to catch up, and she'll be bringing you all the great things DC Comics fans love to talk about. I even hear there's some baking involved. You don't want to miss an episode. Make sure that when you're on any of the platforms, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, wherever you find yourself, use the at symbol DC Comics News. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O M I C S, capital N E W S. When you do, you let the gang know what you're thinking and how we can let you know what we think in response. And with that, I'll just add if you want to find me, try Twitter, one more singleton. Type my name into a search engine. I'm Seth Singleton. Now add the word story, hit enter, and see what you discover. Send me a message when you do. Tell me how you found me. Let's have a great conversation along the way. And until next time, I look forward to hanging out with you with my new top five pick each and every week right here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. And until that next time, as we always like to remind you, the best thing to do until next time is to read more comics. Have a great night, everyone.